surroundings. Avoid costly collisions. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. And three, two, one. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. I'm David Bolton. I am Scottus Maximus Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, we're talking about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We are indeed. We are indeed. So, this was my first time reading the book. You Um, never read it. I had never read it before. It's possible that I heard the radio show, but uh, I didn't remember. (laughs) But uh, a brief synopsis of the book is... Uh, we've got our main character, Arthur, and um, he's a human, and it just so happens that on the day of the book, the Earth gets destroyed, and he winds up hitchhiking across the galaxy with uh, a guy that he thought was his friend, it turns out to be an alien, named Ford, and uh, they just kind of have a mishap of falling into one problem after another, Uh no real agenda or anything. It just kind of happens. And it's all kind of based around the, this book called the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that kind of explains everything in the universe in layman terms so that, uh, you know, people can get around and, uh, live this hitchhiker's lifestyle. And, uh, through the process, you find out that earth was created to be a living computer for trans-dimensional beings. That's a basic plot. That is the plot. That works. That works. That works. Indeed. So, um, yeah, that's my super brief summary. That is a great super brief summary. Thank so, uh, so uh, first time reading it, what was your impression of the book? I don't like this at all. I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy it at all? Nope. You're serious? I'm serious. No. Not your type. Not your cup of tea. I did not like it. Oh. I had to force myself to read it. Oh, wow. This book could have been a one-seat reading, and it took about four, because I found it very boring. Um, However, while This is really interesting. I have never met someone who did not like The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It could be the medium. I just was so bored with the way he wrote and the way that he explained things. Anytime something new came on scene, I was just like... Uh, like it was just like a pain to read about his describing of things. There was no the the book didn't go anywhere. Like nothing. There was no agenda. They literally just fell into everything. And even at the end of the book, the end of the book was my favorite part, and not because it ended. That would be very cliche to say that. <laughs> I really like the way. I know the next book is called the uh, Diner at the End of the Universe. Right, and restaurant. Really, restaurant. The restaurant. restaurant. Diner the Universe was the Sci-Fi Diner sci-fi podcast. Diner, the original yeah. titles, yeah. Um, <laughs> based so, on based on that. Based on that. Yeah. Was that yeah. But I really like how it, how the book ends, but the adventure, which finally feels like it's going somewhere, kind of starts, and they're just like, "Hey, all right, next stops the restaurant at the end of, at the end of the universe." And I was like, "Well, that was a great ending. Like that ending, if I had enjoyed the whole thing, would make me want to pick up the other book." Because maybe you should. Maybe yeah. I should pick up the other. It was a very easy read. I'm not going to go that. And I'm reading it, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, 
if I heard this on the radio, which I probably did when I was younger, I probably loved it because it is written in this narrative that fits radio so well. Like if somebody with a great voice can make you picture these things in your head while they're emoting and like uh, vocally to you about, and that's the way it reads. But when I read it with my monotone internal voice, there's no love. There's no. There's no passion. There's wait, wait, just wait. Like, Your internal voice is monotone. Yeah, my internal voice is very flat, and this wow, is very like. Okay. This is. It's very. It's like if Data were to sit and read you a book, that would be my internal voice. It's very. Mine's. Like, mine's mine. Oh, so yours like reads in Morse code. Basically. Nice. <laughs> nice. So okay. No wonder you had struggled with this book. I mean, yeah. I mean Morse code. I don't even know Morse code. I had code. to sit I down and write it down. See, no wonder it sucked. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm sorry that you, you know what you really need to do is you need to listen to this book. I, that's actually because I, I didn't. Well, so just so you know, listeners, um, when I say that I read a book. 99% of the time I have listened to it because I just don't make the time to sit down and actually physically pick up a book and read. Um, I do, but with kids and everything that I'm kind of juggling in my life, uh, I end up listening when I run um, or when I'm driving somewhere and I'm able to consume quite a bit yeah. in that time. And uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, I consume by listening. Jim, how about you? How did you, how did you listen or did you read the book? Um... I have read the book numerous times, eight or nine at least. Wow. But um, uh, I have also listened to the audiobook uh, version. I had I had cassette recordings of it years ago. I wore them out of uh, all of the Hitchhiker's Guide books by Douglas Adams, read by Douglas Adams. And so that, that, that awesome. brings me to a theory, David. Mm-hmm. Did you read this book with a British accent or just as an American? Because I think if you had read it with a British accent, you probably would have enjoyed it more. But can, but can you do Morse code in, in a British, British accent? That's what I want to know. Uh, uh, no, I, I tried it once on an Aldous lamp, and it sure didn't come out very well. Yeah. But did you have a gargle blaster in your hand? Because if you did, <laughs> I think it would have gone a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> that might have uh, might have helped. David, did you drink? Did you read it with alcohol? Because I think that that might have helped. <laughs> that might have helped as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I can't say the story is bad. I just did not enjoy the book, and 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 I one hundred and ten percent believe that if I would have listened to this, I would have enjoyed and found myself lost in the story much more. Mm. Especially with it, a British accent. Especially with a British accent. Yeah. And now I kind, my mom keeps going on and on about the PB or the NPR PBS like publication, where they had full actors. Oh yeah, doing the radio the, drama. Yeah, the radio drama of it. And I kind of remember the very beginning of that. So I, I feel like that would have been awesome. I don't know if a movie would have would do it would do the same justice. I don't know. I didn't see the movie either. Um, okay, I would I would advise you to avoid it with all due passion. <laughs> Just don't go anywhere near that movie, J okay. J Jim. So what you're what, what Jim's saying is that he loved the movie. He loves the movie. He loves the movie. He's, He's a, a, he, Martin Freeman is the best person. In the that's world, right. And so. uh, come on, and Marvin in the movie, you can't you can't go wrong. Giant head. Yeah, I mean, come on. 
<laughs> so. I was disappointed with Marvin in the book, but I anyway, get the characters. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I don't know what to say. My rating will definitely, re- definitely reflect my impression of of reading the book. However, I feel it needs a disclaimer to say that although I didn't enjoy myself and I didn't enjoy the book, I by no way am saying that it's not a good story. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Jim, your thoughts. You've read this thing a gazillion times. Uh, what Your impressions this time, going back and revisiting this old friend of yours after, I don't know how long it was since you last read it. Uh, what was it like for you to get back into the story? What did uh, your impressions of it? Oh, I, I would have to say it's been, oh, about 10 years since I read it. So there was a lot that I didn't remember specific little things that that I really enjoyed. Uh, I Just the opposite of what, what David said, I love the way he puts the words together uh, and the language and the sentence structure because that, that's what really grabs me. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of that later when we do quotes, but, um, yeah, I'll tell you what it, I, I really, I really like this book. It was recommended to be by a friend so long ago. And I think the first time I read it, I didn't really understand it. And so I dug, I dug deeper into it. I, I, I like it mostly for the way he twists the sentences around. Hmm. Yeah, very good. Well, for me, I I'm like you. I've probably I haven't read it. I don't know if I've read it nine times. You might have me beat there, um, but <laughs> I've read it at least four or five times in my life, and every time, I have enjoyed it. I enjoy the stupidity of everything and how it mirrors so much of our society. Like for me, yeah. when I read this book, I'm like, oh, here's a commentary on society. And I feel like it's still, uh, oh, let's destroy a house to put in a super highway that no one needs and no one's going to use. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, and I just think there's, uh, you know, and then and then it's outdated the moment it's done, you know, because we no longer need that. We have a new way of travel. And uh, it just it mirrors so much of, I think, our society. And so when I look at this book and I read it, I'm constantly saying, well, that makes sense. Well, that's kind of a commentary. Oh, and so I'm finding relevance for me when i read it um relevance think, in the irony yeah relevant yeah and seriously it's in the irony of the book and i think the other thing that plays in is that i mean douglas adams tends to be a very existential writer stuff happens and there's no reason and you can't i mean and i think he's mirroring his perception of life the way he viewed it is like stuff just happens um you know you're kind of thrust into the world and uh Stuff happens, and all you can control is how you deal and react to it. And that's what the characters are. They're thrown into a situation after situation, and they're just like, okay, how are we going to react to this? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But those are my thoughts. I, I did enjoy this read of it again. Okay. And I have the uh, I have the trilogy in five parts sitting on my uh, sh- shelf over there, so... Trilogy in five parts. It is a trilogy in five parts. So it's a five. It's five books. It's five. Uh, technically six. There's a sixth one that was written by Alan Dean Foster. Is that right? Off of Douglas Adams. I think books? so. Yeah, Salmon of Doubt. Okay. That... Has it ended? Uh, in theory. You haven't read it. I think. I, I, well, I, it's been a while. Uh, but I have. I think that the fifth book they 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I forget, uh, Jim, in the fifth book, they come back to Earth, right? Um, to be honest with you, I've never uh, never read it. Let me see. No, not, not, not yeah. Salmon of Doubt, uh, but the, the fifth book in the series of the uh, Hitchhiker's that would, Guide. Would that be Life, the Universe, and Everything? I think so. Don't they, like they, the, the, the mice rebuild Earth, and they, he goes back to Earth. Yes. Oh, okay. so, yeah. so, yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, I may enjoy the overarching story if I if I got the whole thing. And this felt like a very small. I mean, it's a very small book too. It's like two hundred pages. So it's compared yeah. to what we've normally been reading, which has been like eight to a thousand or whatever. You know, thick novels, heady novels. This is very light. So it very much felt like the first chapter of of a, a broader story. And well, even in you saying at the end, like it felt like, Oh, the story is going to get going now. Maybe, yeah. maybe it does. And there were things that I was curious about, like things, some things were very foreshadowed and kind of like, once you figured it out in your head, it was like, come on, come on, come on. Like the, the mice making earth to be a, a computer, like they explain it. And then they go ahead and tell you the story of it. And it just takes forever. Uh, but things like, um, I don't even remember his name. The guy with the two heads has, he turned off part of his brain or whatever. Yeah. That's Zafad Bibelbox, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bibelbox, they turned off part of his brain on purpose. Like, I'm curious about that. Like, I want to know what's going on there. Um, Because whatever it is, is enough for him to give up being president to steal the ship and and go gallivanting around. So, anyway, there are things that I found interesting, but, uh, you know, they don't resolve in this book. Yeah, no, they true. don't. No, they don't. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Well, so where do we want to go from here? So we're overall impressions. Do we want to delve into characters a little bit, or are we do favorite scenes? I mean, well, it's, I guess characters is probably pretty appropriate, right? So, right. what did you what did you think of Arthur Dent? Uh, I mean, was he the main character? <laughs> I mean, to me, Ford was the main character. Arthur was, I mean, I know you're supposed to be from his perspective because he's an earthling, but he doesn't do anything much. He's just kind of like along for exposition. So, yeah, I mean, I can't say I didn't like him because he didn't do anything. But the same way, like he doesn't really stand out as much as the other characters do to me. I was more interested in the, the lady earthling. Uh, so Trillian. Oh, Trillian. Yeah. And, and the fact that she just like accepted that people box came and like was like yo I'm, like hit on her and was just like I'm a, hey I'm an alien like come with me and she was just like alright yeah sure why sure, not why not like uh, no. oh well, don't forget the don't forget though the subplot that went along with that where Zaphod came in and uh, took Trillian away from Arthur right which right. caused a lot of tension between those two right yeah. right yeah. Well, when you hear it from Arthur's perspective, he's like really beat up about it. When you hear it from her perspective, she was like, oh, we were talking and this other guy walked up and he had something better to talk about. So <laughs> right. I, I went with him. Yeah. Well, she what? is, after all, an astrophysicist or something like that. Right. Arthur Dent is just uh, Arthur Dent. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I've heard him described as being, you know, Arthur Dent being like the worst hero in the galaxy. Really? Yeah, it's kind of described oh, yeah. that way. But like, there's something that 
there's something every manage about Arthur Dent. There's something very common man, but he gets himself in with his band of people and somehow he's like the catalyst for them hmm. in the middle of all of them. And uh, in, in the story is still revolving around him, even though the other characters are kind of doing their thing, right? Right. Hmm. Well, that's because perhaps Arthur Dent represents us. Right. Yeah, I think I think very much he's supposed to be, like you said, the everyman. Right. Uh, so much so to a point that he doesn't stand out to me. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, and he has such great. In one way, you made a comment, and I agree with you, David, that Arthur Dent is there so that we can understand what's going on in this new universe. Mm-hmm. Because without Arthur Dent, we wouldn't we wouldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we get we do get he functions as a character where we do get a lot of exposition thrown at him so that we understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But he also is a catalyst for some of the things that happen. But do you feel like well I felt like you know like you said Arthur Arthur was the, the you got the exposition through him the world explained to him. But then the narrator also explains things. It's just like it just felt like too much. Because it would be like, so he would meet somebody and they'd be like, oh, you know, this is who I, Ford would be like, this is this guy, and this is what they do, this is whatever. And then the narrator would take it to the next step and explain like the history of the species or whatever. Right. Did did that? Um, yeah, you guys liked it a lot more than I did. Oh, yeah, so it, it, that didn't bother me, but, you know. Yeah, well, well that... and see, that kind of that kind of adds to everything that, well, the entire book is exposition. You don't really get any resolution of anything. But that extra explanation uh, is where you get the, the, the real funny stuff, in my mind. Yeah, I think it's like if someone were to write Arrested Development down on paper, it would to me it would read like this, boring, and I wouldn't find it funny. However, put it in another medium where the voices are different, like the narrator is almost like this omnipresent vo- like voice chiming in and providing the humor against the the like starkness of everything else. That would be great. I mean, played by some. Some British guy, or even if you want to throw in uh, Ron Howard, because how how can you go wrong with him <laughs> to, narrate, <laughs> to narrate the voice? Like, <laughs> you know, I think that I, it would make it much more enjoyable. But in my head, the voice doesn't change. Yeah. So, which I think why, and I know that Jim, you're not a fan of the movie, but having Martin Freeman play Arthur Dent was perfect because he comes off. If you watch Sherlock, he comes off as this kind of common man, like even even having him play Bilbo, mm-hmm. is he's this common nobody that suddenly is thrust into something bigger than himself. Yeah, and he plays that sort of character well. He does. Yeah, he does. Well, what about Ford Prefect? You want me to go, uh, Jim? Why don't you go? Oh well, uh, Ford I think is my favorite character because no matter what happens, he doesn't get rattled. And he just takes everything in stride, and he knows his business. He knows where his towel is. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example of where 
you know, he was trying to talk Arthur into not guarding his house because there's no point to it anyway. And it's, well, right. let's pop on down to the pub and have a pint. You know, <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite thing about that whole thing is when they convince the the cab driver or the cat, the caterpillar driver, the guy, the, the machinery driver to go out and like sit in front of his house for him. Yeah, who just happens absolutely... to be a descendant of the mighty Genghis Khan. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's just hilarious. And he uh-huh. goes for it for a while until they actually destroy the house, and then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, all of them are under Ford's hypnotic spell well, true. at that point. That's right. And that doesn't break until right before they're destroyed. Yeah, right before they're taken off. But Ford is a fascinating character, I think, because of that. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with Jim. I, I think he was my favorite. I enjoyed seeing the world through his perspective more than Arthur's because the, what I found funny would be with stuff Ford's perception on humans. And, you know, they Arthur would say something that seemed normal and then Ford would be like, well, you know, I used to think that they didn't stop talking because, you know, then their brains would stop working and then, you know, you say something <laughs> yes. like, but now that I realize that if they, if they do stop talking, their brains will start, I don't know, something like that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that, that stuff was more humorous than uh, the audacity of the aliens. Yeah. Well, you know, and I like how um, you said, Jim, that, you know, Ford's one of these guys that takes everything in stride. Mm. Oh, we're tossed out the airlock. We have 30 seconds to live. Ah, not too worried about it. 29 seconds later, boom. FIB bots to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, the, some, what, something's going to come along. <laughs> right, right. You know, I have my towel. We're good to go. Uh, what's his face? Chris, um, guy who plays Star Lord would play him really well. Oh, Pratt. Pratt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he mm-hmm. would. So if we were to recast this, <laughs> we have Martin Freeman still playing. Yeah, I would keep Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman as, Arthur. as Arthur Dent, but then Ford Prefect played by Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. There we go. Now we need Zaphod Beeblebox. Man, I don't even know. Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop? <laughs> Let's have Iggy Pop play. They're like a whole <laughs> play. Yeah. Iggy Pop. Hey, I can see, see Iggy Jim, Pop Jim seeing it. He's laughing at it. <laughs> He's totally Zaphod Pops. <laughs> yeah, Iggy Pops head on one side and Marilyn Manson on the other. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be perfect. Well, who would play who would play Trillion? I, in my in my mind I have a picture of the of the girl, but I can't I don't know what her name is. She always plays nerdy girls on like comedy shows. Oh, I have no clue. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know what her name is. No, me neither. So, if you don't remember, I don't. I don't watch comedy shows. So maybe maybe um, the girl on Last Man on Earth. What's her name? Whatever. Big yep. nose. Funny. All right. Well, well what about uh, Zaphod Beeblebox? The president of the galaxy. Who has about as much power as anyone, right? I, You know, I found his character like throwaway except up until the point where he divulges the info that there's the part of his brain that's turned off and that he turned it off then i found him interesting up until that point like i was like he didn't make any sense to me i'm like why did he steal the ship why did he you know what's the okay i think i can help you with that if you remember he was elected president in order to take 
attention away from the real center of power in the galaxy. Right. So he's he's a he's a tabloid president that that does all this weird stuff so that the people who are real really governing they don't get uh, scrutinized. Hey, that sounds like true life. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Oh, we, this is not a political show. But, <laughs> no, but it again, isn't. We're, we're to, when you when you talk about uh, this book being ironic and having stuff that really does mirror real life at times, well, we might have that in Zaphod Beeblebox a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm really. If anything gets me to continue, and it would have to be audio, which I, I gotta I gotta say I'm slightly interested in doing, it's gonna be the the his the curiosity behind this character and why. Mm, like yeah. why he's motivated to do the things he does. See, and yeah. I on uh my impressions of Zephod is I would not like this person. I don't want. I I would not want anything to do with him. He is a total smartass and um, says things that just they're non sequiturs, and he doesn't contribute anything. Hmm. I agree so, with that. He's he's very so, into himself. Yeah. Yeah. Which which, uh, you know, and, and I'm not not trying to imply anything, but a president has to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. So a celebrity president who is into themselves doing their own thing to draw mm-hmm. attention from what's really going on. What's really going on. Yeah. Join us on our conspiracy theory podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, on our new podcast we're launching about, well, does uh, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mirror what's really going on in America right now? So. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, you know, this is not really a character, but I want to call the ship a character, the heart of gold, and maybe want to call the computer Eddie, right? Eddie, Eddie the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about heart of gold and the impro- the infinite improbability drive. Yeah. Any hits thoughts every that? point Hits every point in the universe simultaneously. Very, it's very true. And I think it's this idea of improbability really does mirror, you know, well, stuff just happens. Yeah. You know, there's no rhyme or reason. So, well, of course, there there are infinite possibilities with everything you do. Right. You know, so. And and some of them are so improbable they don't even make sense. Like the, like the uh, missile turning into a whale. Oh, one of my favorite scenes, mind you. I use that. I use that scene in my classes. Oh yeah, in world literature. I, I like that scene too. I, I like the whole like thought process of the whale. Well, it's very existential. Yes, and that's why you know that's why when I mentioned there, that I think Douglas Adams, on one level, is writing under from a very existential viewpoint. The stuff just happens, and you know he turns into a sperm whale. That's actually one of my quotes when we get to it. That whole conversation <laughs> is absolutely great, <laughs> but. Yeah, so definitely there. What other characters are we missing here? Uh, there's others. We, t- we talked about Trillian real briefly. Marvin. Let's talk about Marvin, our favorite depressed robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I who- <laughs> I love Marvin. <laughs> he, he is, would you call him the realist of the group? 
I'd call him the fatalist of the group. Uh, the fatalist. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a little bit Eeyore-ish. Mm-hmm. If you're to tie it in a little bit to uh, Winnie the Pooh, I guess. But uh, yeah, definitely the fatalist of the group. Yeah. And brilliant. A genius. <laughs> you know. Oh, you folks just don't understand. But then again, you don't have a mind as large as mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I started off not liking him, but then I, I, I towards the end I enjoyed his antics a little bit more, especially when he he killed the the ship by talking to it. Oh yeah, there was mm. no one to talk to, so I plugged into the ship and it committed suicide. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, David, you got to look up somewhere the songs that he does in. Uh, the la- in in the third book, Life, the Universe, and everything, because okay. he sings a lullaby. Oh, it's just oh. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right I'll have to look it up. Now I lay me down to sleep. Try to count electric sheep. Sweet dream mit wishes you can keep. How I hate the night. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one thing before he shut off at the one point when he's left in the worm spell crater? Arthur like walks away and he's like, well, he decided to count sheep, count it to like four billion and two seconds went by and he, you know, turned himself off. And he, do, yeah. he does all this stuff and you're like, oh, he kept busy, but then it was only two seconds. So, yeah. Uh, anyone else we should talk about? I mean, those are some of the major characters. We have, of course, uh, Frankie and Benji the mice. Yeah. Smarty um, Bartfast. Oh, yeah. Smarty Bartfast. And uh, who was mm. he again? I forget. He was, uh, a, he was the one that, that works at the, Magarathea, uh, yeah, the, help, uh, the, helping the to build the earth. Uh, right. He was the designer of the fjords around Norway. Okay, yeah, I was going to say Iceland, but Norway is right. Yeah, it's the fjords <laughs> Norway. And he was right. He, he won an award for that. Yes. Those are some beautiful fjords. Yeah. <laughs> can't argue with that. And, uh, but, yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know much to say say about him, but I liked him as a character. Yeah. So I, I, none of the other characters really stuck that stuck out. It's really well, the core four. Why don't we jump in? Any any favorite scenes that we had? We mentioned, I'm sure, some of them already. But what are some of the favorite scenes that you had, David? How about you? Well, my favorite scene kind of goes in with my favorite quote part, and uh, uh, I don't have it written down, but it's the it's when they're discussing, the mice are discussing what to do about uh, Arthur runs away. And they're like, we don't, we don't, we know the answer to the, the universe. We don't know the question. And they're like, quick, let's just come up with a question because I don't want to spend ten million years doing it again. And the guy, the guys, they throw, they throw out a couple and they're nothing. And he's just like, how many roads must a man take? They're like, yeah, that's perfect. It's, it's very like it, it can mean so many different things. The answer is forty two. And they're like, we'll go with that. Let's we'll you know, let's just go back and tell everyone this is the question. So I thought that <laughs> that was my favorite part. That was your favorite part. Jim, how about you? Uh, favorite parts or scenes in this uh, book? Uh, the entire first chapter, the opening is it, it just it just grabs me when I read it. Uh, yeah, and was makes me want highway. to read more. Yeah. yeah, that that I do like that opening scene. You know, the whole destroying the house to build a superhighway and then that mirroring, well, let's destroy the earth to build a superhighway. Yes. Yeah, so well, yellow. Why do I keep thinking about yellow? <laughs> right. <laughs> out there. There's a bulldozer outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
think one of my favorite scenes again, and we mentioned this, but the sperm whale scene has to be yeah. one of my favorite scenes, you know, and that whole conversation. So out there. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably my runner up. That, that followed by the walking through it the, to find the entrance. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just walking through the sperm whale crater. <laughs> right. Yeah, why is there a sperm whale? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other scenes. There, I mean, there's a lot of funny parts, but I think the thing that makes it funny, like Jim, you said, is the irony in a lot of what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, the idea of, of mice being the people that were really running the earth. And, you know, humans thinking they're controlling the mice when really it's the mice controlling the humans, yeah. making them do things. And, and the dolphins realizing that, you know what, thank you for all the fish. We've been trying to warn you for the longest time. You haven't been listening, but, you know, good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. The computer you know? being, the, the earth being a giant computer and the way that the calculations are being done on the backs of napkins in bistros. And, uh, I don't think it got that far all in the that. book. Did it? Yeah, I know it did. They talk. They talk about it, um, but it's it's you know when they're talking about the Earth, I think it's the mice when the mice are conversing about what has happened. So it's people mm. do the comp. because I must have missed that. They, how like I missed how they were using the people as machines. So people oh yeah. Just, people just start writing without noticing it. Is that well, it? I think it's like oh no no and stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Uh yeah, it, it bistromathic calculation. <laughs> that and of course, that and of course, thinking that uh, digital watches are pretty cool. Oh yeah, that. I got the digital watch thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, too bad they didn't have cell phones back then because <laughs> smartphones would totally be what he's writing about right now. But, oh gosh, <laughs> I know. But so, uh, um, so we're here. Do we have any favorite quotes? Well, I give mine. I don't. I don't have it written down. But the the conversation between the two mice about uh, coming up with a fib for oh yes, for that the, is a good one for the Jim. How about you? Uh, do you have one? Yes, I do. Um, it's from Chapter Two, The Hitchhiker's oh. Guide to the Galaxy. Also mentions alcohol. It says that the best drink in existence is the Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. It says that the effect of drinking a pangalactic gargle blaster is like having your brain smashed out by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. <laughs> the guide also tells you on which planets the best pangalactic gargle blasters are mixed and how much you can expect to pay for one and what voluntary organizations exist to help you rehabilitate afterwards. <laughs> that is good. And it, that's the example that that I really like the uh, getting your brain smashed out by a wet slice of lemon <laughs> wrapped around a large gold brick. <laughs> it's backwards. That is, that is, it is. It is. Well, here's one that I have, and I had, uh, this one's about the dolphins, right? Mm -hmm. And he says. For instance, on the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was more intelligent than dolphins because he had achieved so much. The wheel, New York, wars, and so on. Whilst all the dolphins had ever done was muck about the water having a good time. But conversely, the dolphins had always believed that they were far more intelligent for man for precisely the same reasons. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true. Yeah. I, I think I think the, the thread that goes throughout the... Uh, 
the book maybe the, and and the series in general is uh the articles in the in the hitchhiker's guide itself yeah because they really, explain so much yeah they're entertaining <laughs> yeah plus we can't forget the quote don't panic yeah i mean that's the uh, the iconic right don't yeah. panic but but uh, i also like the one time is an illusion lunchtime doubly so <laughs> boy that's the truth yeah i know that's a an illusion you know i gotta say i'm gonna i'm gonna call it as uh the napoleon dynamite effect and in actually talking to someone about this book i find talking about it much more enjoyable than i did consuming it so and that was the same way napoleon dynamite was is it's not fun to watch or 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 take in but the talking about it for years to come right has yeah uh merit so yeah i think this might be similar to me yeah it's kind of kind of like uh monty python and the holy grail you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) have you ever gotten into one of those sessions where you're sitting around with your friends quoting the entire movie yeah yeah that's true I also like I also like this quote by him. He said, "I'd I'd far rather be happy than right any day." <laughs> I like that. It is our Thursdays. I just can't get the hang of Thursdays. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of good quotes. I'm looking at. So. Yeah, for a moment, nothing happened. Then, after a second or so, nothing continued to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well. Let's uh, let's move along here to our closing thoughts, um, which includes our rating of this book. So let's go ahead and start with you, Scott. Ten Gargoblasters out of ten Gargoblasters. Okay, so an undisputed, absolute well, lemon see, smashed out of your head. Brain. Yeah, so it's it's very true. And I, here's the thing: like, I'm glad you read it, David, because I think that you can't really say that you've read. Um, when we talk about pieces of of literature that have impacted the sci-fi community and are referenced, I would say that that Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guides, you know, shows up in different places. Oh yeah. Like when is the answer not forty two? Mm-hmm. And you, uh, um, and I think that that this book has had such an impact that it's one of the books that if you're going to call yourself a reader of science fiction, you at least have to have under your belt. Yeah, in my opinion, and I have felt like it's been hanging over my head forever. Well, no, no longer, David. No longer. No longer. No, no longer. longer. No longer. But. All right, Jim. Where does this sit with you? Okay. Um, you, you're well aware. I read lots of science fiction, and I read a lot of heavy, heavier science fiction, and the Hitchhiker's Guide books are an opportunity for me to kind of take a step back once in a while and and look at something that isn't isn't so heavy doesn't make me think so much uh, and and just be entertained with a book instead of having to really slog through something yeah so your rating on it my rating five out of five for the entertainment value Right. And the language, and you and you say that, Jim. But I would argue that there is some incredible depth in the book. 
Uh, if you if you really dig into it, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you want it. <laughs> if you want it. If not, it's just hilarious. How, uh, now, oh, yeah. David, how how would you rate this book, David? Let me tell you <laughs> what was sinking my head was a one. And I'll raise it to 1.5.75 because I feel like I could consume it differently and it could change my mind. Um, I would not recommend the book to anyone. Not because it's... And this is so weird because I'm giving it a low rating not because it's a bad book but because of my own enjoyment which is... Usually when I give a low rating, it's like, don't ever read this book. But right now, it's just like, I just didn't enjoy it. And I would not read it, and I would not recommend it to anyone. Be- not because it's a bad book, but because I would never... Th- I don't think I'll ever think to, like... If someone's like, oh, give me a book recommendation. Like, this is not going to be on the tip of my tongue as a recommendation. So... Fair enough. That's where I'm going to That's where I'm gonna stick with it. Fair enough. Uh, it's a really... It's a weird one for me. So. Yeah. Well... Maybe uh, maybe the medium is everything. So. It is, and and I may consume the second book via audio. People people there. speak highly of the radio dramas. If you ever get a chance, maybe the radio drama might be the way for you to go. Yeah, I think it might. Be. So, well, and that's so. the way it was originally intended, anyway, right. wasn't it? Yeah, I think it were, it originally was a radio drama, then became a book. Okay, right. so so okay. that could have a lot to do with it, but it does. Uh, in no way do I think. That somebody who does not, who does not like um, the book, should have to apologize. And hopefully, David, you're not <laughs> apologizing for it. No, and I don't no. take away any credibility from you as a sci-fi person because you don't like this book. It, it's cool. I can sure I can certainly understand why. Well, so thanks. you don't have to turn in your geek card. Is what we're saying. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. You can keep it for a little bit longer. I felt like I put another notch on it for reading it. Now, if I, I feel like I would need to be more apologetic if I if I hated it, like was anti the book. I just didn't enjoy it, which is a totally which is different, a little bit different. different it is yeah. a little bit different. Now, so. if you run down Babylon Five, though, I will revoke <laughs> your geek card. <laughs> nah, I, I I do like Babylon Five. I have trouble getting into it because it's it's uh, very uh, intellectual. Nah. Uh, but that's just because I haven't given it the time it needs. Yep. So. <laughs> Well, that's about it, right? Yeah, that about so wraps us up. So next time. Larry Niven. Larry Niven. Ring World. Ring World. That's right. Um, of course, we want to know what you think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, as well as uh, Ring World for next month. Uh, ways that you can interact with us. You can find us on Facebook at The Orbital Sword. You can find us on Twitter at The Orbital Sword, I think. We have that set up. Um, Did you set it up? I I think we did last time. Okay. Well, you might be able to find us on Twitter. Yeah, we, we will be on Twitter. We'll we just have to get you that information. Go to Facebook and we'll let you know the uh, yeah. Twitter. We also have our website, uh, theorbitalsword.com. Right. And uh, you can check us on Goodreads. That's going to be our number one place to interact, uh, interact and vote on books is yeah. Goodreads. We're going to have yeah. all our polls up there. Um, a really easy way to like connect our books and see other people's thoughts. So. And we do want to hear from you. Like, What books do you want us to read? And right. we will... Uh, we get enough uh, majority rules, or we will put them into a poll that you can then yeah vote. I'm excited to continue uh, sailing down this journey. So uh, sounds, sounds real good. So once again for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Walton, and I am Scott Herzog. 
and I'm Jim Arrowwood, and we get to have a tagline. And we're working on the tagline, but thank you so much for 